He is holy. He is worthy. Harvest the God that we worship. He is a God who speaks. Go ahead and grab a seat. The God that we lift our voices to, the God that we sing to, the God that we praise to, he is not silent. He is a God who speaks. Psalms 33 verse 9 says that the Lord spoke and the world began. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, and God said, God called, and God said, and God called, and God said, and God called, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God blessed them saying, and God said, and God said, and God blessed them, and God said to them, and God said. From page one of the Bible, it is very clear. We worship a God who speaks. Grab your Bible, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Last week, we saw that God was, was whispering. He was whispering in the midst of the wickedness and brokenness. He was whispering that he was working. And today, the whispers get loud. Today, we're going to see God show up and speak out loud, calling Samuel. This word call is, is repeated 12 times. It's, it's the main idea, the main point. It's the verb that God is, is calling, that God is speaking to Samuel. But it takes Samuel four times to realize this is the Lord speaking to him. This is so like us, isn't it? So, so often we, we fail, we, we miss the opportunity to hear the Lord speaking. We're not listening to the Lord. So as we go through 1 Samuel, I want to highlight four reasons, four reasons you might not be hearing the Lord today. So God, these are, are your words. Lord, these words came from your mouth. Lord, let me not add to them. Let me not take anything away. Lord, Lord speak to us today. God, use your Holy Spirit to make these words come alive and, and press them into our lives deep inside of us. Your word is, is active, it's living, it's true. God, speak to us this morning. Amen. For Samuel chapter three, verse one. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. All right, we know two things about Samuel. We know that he's a boy. We don't know exactly how old. His age doesn't really matter. Most people think he was probably around 12 years old. He's a boy. He's not a man. He's a boy. And second, he's the one ministering to the Lord. See, already in verse 1, like some, something is off. Something is wrong. You have a 12-year-old boy, Samuel, and then you have a 98-year-old high priest named Eli. But Samuel is the one ministering to the Lord. Our culture today, we tend to idolize youth. But in the Bible, children read the book of Proverbs are, are foolish. 
Children are, are insignificant when the kids were running to Jesus and the disciples chased them away. In the Bible, I mean, kids aren't put up on pedestals. There's no participation trophies for children in the Bible. See, something is wrong. Something is off. If, if, if you were reading this in the day of Samuel, immediately you know something is wrong. All of the value, all of the esteem, all of the honor went to those who were older, and now the attention has shifted from the 98-year-old high priest to a 12-year-old boy. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. See, under the ministry of, of Eli, the word of the Lord was rare. That's a sad statement. The word's not being proclaimed. The word's not being taught. There's no visions coming from the Lord, and so the, the, there's no prophecies going out to the people. The people are not hearing the voice of the Lord. We know from last week that God's word's not being obeyed. Something is wrong. The priests, they're not doing their job. Harvest, if, if we aren't preaching the word, we're not doing our job. If the word of the Lord becomes rare around here, like it's, it's time to pack up and find another church. I'm so grateful for Pastor Doug, week after week, preaching, bringing the word. Pastor Cody in student ministries, week after week, faithfully preaching and bringing the word. That, that's our job. That's what we do. What we know about Eli, the word of the Lord is rare. He's the one not ministering to the Lord. He's not doing his job. Look at verse 2. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. See, physically, this, this tells us he's, he's old. Chapter 4 tells us he's 98 years old. Eli is an old man. Physically, his, his eyesight is failing. He's, he's becoming blind. Spiritually, He's, he's dim. Spiritually, he's, he's, there's been a slow fade. His, his spiritual condition, his spiritual eyesight is, is failing. It's, it's worsening. It's declining. Everything around him is getting darker. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight, uh, physically, his eyesight spiritually has grown dim so he could not see, he was lying down in his own place. Physically, he's, he's lying down, he's sleeping. Spiritually, he's sleeping. Spiritually, he's, he's taking a nap. See, the author is, is not just telling us, he's, he's showing us the spiritual condition of Israel and the leadership at this time. In the Old Testament, priests, priests were the ones who, who spoke, to, spoke to God on behalf of people. And so if you have a high priest who's spiritually blind, spiritually sleeping, that's our access to God. If you have a, a spiritual priest who's, who's supposed to be representing you, taking you to the Lord, that's been cut off. Chapter 4 tells us that Eli, he's, he's been the priest for 40 years. Years. That's a long time. 
I mean, if you're under 40, it's been 40 years, you have never, maybe never even heard the voice of the Lord. Your, your spiritual leadership has been sleeping. They're not doing their job. Something wrong is happening here. The word of the Lord is rare. Look at verse 3. But the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Man, I love this. Like there's, there's still this like small flame. There's, there's still this like little flicker. Like in the midst of this, this dim darkness, in the midst of this wickedness and brokenness, there's, there's still this like small ray of hope. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. God has not left them. He has not forgot them. He has not abandoned them. God's presence, it's, it's small, but it's still there. The lamp of God, this was a, this was a golden lampstand. And every night, uh, this was in the holy place, the tabernacle, and every night it was filled with oil and it would be burning all night long. Samuel, Samuel was an apprentice for Eli, and so at night, one of Samuel's jobs was to, uh, to fill this lamp with oil. Night after night after night, he's, he's filling this golden lampstand. Night after night after night, he's, he's sleeping there in the temple, in the tabernacle, watching, making sure this light is burning, making sure it doesn't go out. If it goes out, he gets up, he relights it. Night after night, he's doing his job. Three things we know about Samuel. He's, he's a young boy. He's the one ministering to the Lord, and he's doing his job. The lamp has not yet gone out. The lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Verse 2 says that, that Eli was laying in his own place. Picture this. I mean, he's, he's sprawled out. He's passed out. He's, he's sleeping comfortably in his own place. Where's Samuel sleeping? In the temple, where the ark of God was. The ark of God, that's the ark of the covenant. That's the the presence of God dwelling with his people. This is the first time in the book of Samuel that the ark of God is mentioned, and here Samuel is sleeping right next to it. See, the first reason we might not be hearing the Lord speak, distance. See, the priest Eli, he was, he was in his own place. He was removed. He was far away from the presence of God. His two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, we, we know that they were sleeping out by the entrance of the temple, even further away, further removed from the Ark of the Covenant, further away from the presence of God. Why were they sleeping out at the entrance to the temple? Because that's where girls were. Here's these two priests using their influence, their position, their authority, totally taking advantage of people even further as far as they could get away from the presence of the Lord. But where's Samuel? as close as he possibly could be. He is right next to the, he's in the temple, right next to the Ark of the Covenant. 
And it's, and it's not in his, his ministering to the Lord. It's, it's not in his, his, his nightly task of, of filling the golden lampstand that he hears the Lord speak. It's, it's in his abiding with the Lord. Literally, his, his remaining with the Lord, his, his dwelling with the Lord, his, his staying next to the Lord, he hears the voice of the Lord speak. If you want the Lord to speak to you, you've got to get as close as you possibly can. Here's why distance is a big deal. Because some, sometimes God doesn't shout. Sometimes God whispers to get our attention. Look at verse four. And then the Lord called Samuel. What did the Lord say? It doesn't tell us. See, this is the first time that the Lord has, has spoken, has, has called Samuel, and, and the text doesn't even tell us what he says. See, I think the Lord here is just, is just whispering to Samuel. distance. If you want to hear the Lord whispering to you, you have to abide with the Lord. You have to to position yourself as close as you possibly can be to the Lord. Verse 4, and then the Lord, he calls, he whispers to Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. It's the middle of the night. The lamp has not yet gone out. Samuel hears this this whisper. And immediately, verse 5, he he comes running to Eli. You see that? He, He comes running to Eli. And Eli, Eli doesn't even move. I mean, he doesn't sit up. He doesn't even roll over. Eli says, go back to bed. Parents, if we had like a dollar every time we said that to our kids. When it comes to sleeping, um, I have the gift of sleep. I don't think it's a spiritual gift, but it's a gift. I've told my wife between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m., I am not responsible for anything that happens because I am out. I hear nothing when our kids were little babies and they're screaming, crying, dog is barking. My wife's getting up five, six times in the middle of the night. I am out. It's a gift. So our kids have started doing this weird sleepwalking thing. And I mean, at least twice a week, at least twice a week, one of our kids is stumbling, wandering around somewhere in the house, sleepwalking. A couple years ago, our son, he, he gets out of his, his bed. He's, he's walking through his, his, his room, like tiptoeing over Legos, walking between toys. He, he comes down the stairs He unlocks the door. He walks straight outside. He's now walking in our yard. Who do you think went and got him? My wife, I am out sleeping. I am out. When my wife is gone, if she's ever traveling, if she's ever not home, and I am watching the kids by myself, 
Pray for us. We have to like physically put something in front of our door now so we don't lose our kids at night. Like, look at verse six. And the Lord called again. This time it's louder. Samuel. See, this time we know what the Lord says. He says his name. Exclamation mark. This time the Lord's not whispering. The Lord is, is shouting to Samuel. Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. You notice how Samuel's a little bit slower this time? Verse five, first time he ran to Eli. This time he just kind of creeps into the room of Eli. And again, go to bed. Verse seven, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. See, verse 7 is not blaming Samuel. It's just explaining to us as the readers just what's going on. Samuel's never heard the voice of the Lord. The word of the Lord was rare. Samuel has no idea. He's totally confused. He has no idea what's going on here. Samuel's 12 years old. He's an apprentice for the priest, Eli. He doesn't have, like, really big responsibilities, We know two things that Samuel does, two of his jobs. At night, he's the one who who fills the golden lamp with oil, making sure it it burns all night. That's why he's sleeping in the temple near the ark, near the golden lampstand. At night, he he fills the golden lamp. And in the morning, verse 15 is going to tell us that he uh, he opens up the doors to the temple. So Samuel is the the last one to bed, filling the golden lamp. He's, He's the first one up opening up the doors to the temple. And in the day, he's the one ministering to the Lord, verse 1. And then it seems like this isn't the first time he's he's gone into the room of, of old Eli to take care of him in the middle of the night. Samuel is on call 24 7. Okay, the second reason we may not be hearing from the Lord, busyness. I mean, how many of us are just insanely crazy busy? Harvest, our schedule, our our calendar impacts our relationship with the Lord. I mean, we live in a world of constant noise, never-ending activities, 24-7 distractions, and it's just, it's deafening. It's addicting. When was the last time that you you unplugged, that you you got away? You just just took some time to get away in in stillness, in silence, in solitude, just, just spent some time with the Lord. Just listening to the Lord, speaking with the Lord. My son is six, and two weeks ago I came home and he was in the living room meditating. I knew what he was doing, but I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Meditating. Where did you learn that? School. Meditation has been hijacked from the church. Like, like, like worldly meditation says like, like, 
Empty your mind, like think of nothing. Biblical meditation says, no, fill your mind with the word of God. Worldly meditation says, just, just get in touch with your inner self. Biblical meditation, forget yourself. Get in touch with the Lord. Worldly meditation is this, this, this palms up, this, this eyes closed, like this, this legs crossed. Biblical meditation is like eyes open, holding the word, pausing and pondering, slowly reading verse, phrase, word, chewing on it, wrestling with it, speaking to the Lord, listening to the Lord, waiting on the Lord, listening longer than you think you should. We are not machines. The Lord wants us to slow down. Stop being so busy. Sometimes he whispers. It's the still, small voice of the Lord. He wants to get our attention. But there's so much noise going around. We can't hear him. Harvest, let us not be so busy that we miss our opportunity to hear the Lord speak. Look at verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Man, I'm so glad the Lord is patient with us. Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he rose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. See, the third reason we may not be hearing the Lord speak is is inexperience. See, Samuel has no idea what's going on right now. He is so lost, so confused. He's got to be thinking, is Eli playing tricks on me? He doesn't realize this is the Lord speaking to him. It takes Eli, not perfect, but he's 98 years old. He's older, he's wiser. He's been the high priest for 40 years. It takes his experience. The word of the Lord is rare, but that doesn't mean Eli's never heard it. Samuel has no idea what's going on, and it takes someone who's more experienced to square up his shoulders, to tell him what's going on. Look at verse nine. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Like, like, like what's going on through the mind of Samuel he, as, as he's now walking back to his mat? I mean, he, he now knows this is the voice of the Lord. Here's some questions I'd have. Why me? Lord, what do you want? Did I just blow it? I mean, he called me three times Is he going to speak to me again? Is the Lord going to be mad? Because I didn't know he was talking to me. I didn't know who it was. Am I in trouble because of my brothers? I'm 12. Lord, what do you want? See, when the Lord speaks, he, he uses older, wiser, more experienced, those who have walked with the Lord to help us learn and and discern and and, and process what the Lord is saying and what it means. 
unless you hear like an audible voice, which I know I never have, the hard thing with, with hearing from God is it can be completely subjective. I mean, it's really dangerous to say just as a blanket statement like, like God told me so. How do you know? How did he speak to you? What did he say? So, so we have to be very careful that we don't impose our, our own ideas or, or imaginations or, or our own desires and, and, and put a blanket statement saying, the Lord spoke to me and told me. This is where having someone like Eli, not perfect, but someone older, someone wiser, someone with experience, someone who can walk alongside. This is, this is where having other, other biblical community, people who are in the word, allowing them, the wise counsel of many, to speak into your life, to give them access and permission, inviting people into speaking truth. Maybe you're wrestling with something right now. Maybe you feel the Lord is, is calling you in one direction. You've got to talk to somebody. Learn and discern, process. Take it to the Lord together in prayer. See, I think, I think rarely does God speak just one time if he's trying to get your attention. No, God is persistent. He will speak again and again and again. And he will reveal it not just to you. He'll speak to those who are around you that others can come along and affirm the voice of God. Verse 10, and then the Lord came and stood. Not just a voice now. The Lord stood, calling his other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. When God called Abraham and Isaac and Moses, he did the same thing. He, he repeated their names twice. Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Moses, Moses, and now Samuel, Samuel. But those guys were middle-aged men. When you think of a prophet, like, like what comes to your mind? I, I think of someone just, just this, this big, just over-the-top personality, just this, this booming voice, just, just someone who who's, has a ton of confidence, just, just not as afraid to speak the truth. I think of someone like a, like a James McDonald. Like he's like 6'4". He drives a Harley. Samuel, he's not even five feet tall. Barely 90 pounds. He's a 12-year-old boy. What's his resume? He's filled a golden lampstand with oil. Yeah, I want to invite my friend Nathan Bierbauer up here. I just kind of want to help us just, just kind of get in the mind of a 12-year-old. Nathan, uh, What's your mom's name? Her name's Hannah. Hannah, huh. Wait, isn't Samuel's mom also named Hannah? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Nathan, um, how old are you? I'm 12. 12 years old. Hey, when's your birthday? Today. Today? Yep. Wow. Today, today? Yep. 
Have you ever had 300 people say happy birthday to you? Nope. Let's do that. Hey, Harvest. Happy birthday. Thank you. Hey, what do you want for your birthday? Um, I asked for a couple of Lego sets and then some Disney trading pins. Awesome. Lego sets and Disney trading pins. Do you have a trip for Disney plan? That's what it sounds mm, like. Nope. How, how tall are you? I'm about five foot. About five foot. Can I ask, how much do you weigh? I weigh 91 pounds. 91 pounds. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I had eggs, bacon, blueberries, and a bagel. Wow. It's more than I had. <laughs> did you make it yourself? Nope. Who made it for you? My mom. Was it good? Don't answer that. <laughs> Do you have a job? Nope. What grade, are, what grade are you in at school? I'm in sixth grade. What's your favorite subject? Either math or science. What's it like to be 12? Well, I don't get to make many of my decisions. My parents make those, but I'm starting to get a little bit more freedom. Like, I can go to a restaurant with friends, and mom and dad aren't telling me, you have to buy this or this. I can choose. And then when I'm starting to actually think about what kind of job I might want. Like, when you're six, you say, I want to be an astronaut, but you don't become an astronaut. I, so I'm starting to think about what I actually might do. Do you want to be a prophet? No. no. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord works in ways that doesn't even make sense. I mean, here, he's, he's calling Samuel, a 12-year-old boy, to be the one who speaks to all of the people on behalf of God. Like, that's some responsibility. That, that's some authority. That, that, that's more than just going to the restaurant and being able to pick whatever you want to eat off the menu. Sometimes God works in a ways that doesn't even make sense. Thank you. Hey, parents, don't set the bar too low for your kids. God can do big things through little things. Kids, dads, it took Eli, not perfect, not even the biological father of Samuel, but the father figure adopting Samuel. It took, it took the dad to speak the truth, to square up his son's shoulders, to tell him, this is the Lord speaking to you, to help Samuel know the Lord what the Lord wants, what this means. Dads, I hope you're doing that. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. The word tingling, this, this is only used a couple times in the Bible. It's, it's not the word itching. Itching ears are things you want to hear. Tingling ears, uh, these are burning ears. This is always followed by judgment and punishment. This is not what you want to hear. Tingling ears. 
And on that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his, his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Man, these are hard words. Imagine being a 12-year-old apprentice and these are the very first words, your first prophetic message that you're supposed to tell the 98-year-old high priest. Verse 15, so Samuel lay until morning. Did he sleep? Probably not. Samuel lay until morning and then he opened up the doors of the house of the Lord. Last one to bed, first one up, opens up the doors to the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. See, the fourth reason we, we, we may not be hearing the Lord speak, sinfulness. Last Sunday, chapter two, we learned about the, the two sons. Uh, the, the text says the worthless sons of Eli Hophni and Phinehas. And God set up rules within the tabernacle and within the sacrificial system that allowed for the priests to be able to eat a portion of the sacrifice. The priests couldn't work outside the temple and so they relied on these sacrifices as a provision to feed them. But Hophni and Phinehas, they, they totally took advantage of this. They totally played the game. See, they saw sacrifices as an all-you-can-eat buffet. That wasn't God's intention. Chapter two, the author tells us that, that they didn't wait until the, the fat was cooked off the meat. That, that literally, he's, he's telling us they are, they are big, fat bullies. They're intimidating. They are threatening. They're using their, their position over the people. How would you feel if you brought a sacrifice here to the church that you brought something that, that meant a lot to you here to the church. And one of the pastors like, like, like took it, stole it, totally disrespecting you, totally disgracing what you brought. I mean, that's messed up, isn't it? See, one thing the, the sacrifices taught people is that sin is expensive. Sin required a sacrifice, Sometimes it was a bag of grain. Sometimes it was a loaf of bread. Sometimes it was, was an animal, a lamb, a goat, a bull. I mean, it's one thing to, to bake a loaf of bread and to bring that as a sacrifice, but to go out back and to select of the very best of your herd and to bring that to the Lord as a sacrifice? I mean, how long does it take to raise a 2,000-pound bull? I mean, do you know how much work it would take to feed a 2,000-pound bull to keep it healthy, to keep it alive? And every time you sin, you're going back, you're selecting a sacrifice, you're bringing it to the tabernacle, trying to do the right thing, trying to honor the Lord. I mean, some of us would be running out of animals. 
when an animal was sacrificed, the, the owner would, would, would put his hand on the head of the animal, symbolizing this, this animal's death is on my behalf. That this, this, this blood, that this, this blood of this animal would, would atone for, would, would cover my sin. Can you imagine, like, like you, you raised this animal. Like, like, you delivered this animal from birth. When it was hungry, you fed it. When it was sick, you took care of it. You fought off the wild animals. You, you protected it. You've nurtured it. You've raised it. And now you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to please the Lord, honor the Lord. And so you bring your sacrifice to the tabernacle. And here, Hophni and Phinehas, they're standing at the slaughter table, forks in both hands. And you bring your sacrifice up to them. And they steal it. They take it. All you can eat, buffet. This happens right in front of you. And this has been going on for 40 years. See, there's a reason the Lord has been silent in Israel. Sinfulness. The sinfulness of the the leadership of, of the priests. This is wicked. And maybe some of us today, maybe we're not hearing from the Lord because there's some sin in our life that's, that's like earmuffs, that's just, just blocking out the voice of the Lord. Sin that, that's just, just plugging our ears. Verse 16. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it? What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him. He told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he, Eli, said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. This is the second time Eli's been warned. This is the second time that that Eli now knows what's coming to him, to his family. And Eli says, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. These are the last words between Samuel and and Eli. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. See, all of his words, all of his prophecies, all of his visions from the Lord came true. Verse 20, and all of Israel from from Dan to Beersheba, that's, that's just an expression, all of the land from north to south, the entire land, everyone knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. See, we started in verse 1 where the the word of the Lord was rare. This has been going on for more than 40 years, and now God is about to do a new thing. 
the word of the Lord has now returned and, and God is now raising up a, a faithful prophet in Samuel. The Lord is now with Samuel. The Lord is, is reappearing. The Lord is, is revealing. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is calling his people back to himself. The silence is done. This is a turning point in the Old Testament where Eli is the last judge acting as a high priest. Now the Lord is, is done with this, this time period of the judges and now the Lord is about to, to raise up a new household who will serve him, who will shepherd all of Israel. Harvest, we worship a God who speaks. At the beginning I said that the word calling is, is used 12 times, that, that calling is the verb, it's the main idea, the main action in this passage. And, and maybe today the Lord has been speaking to you. The Lord doesn't want you to just nod your head and agree. He doesn't want you to just leave here and forget. The Lord is calling you. The Lord is, is speaking to you. The Lord wants you to respond to him. I pick one thing. Maybe you've distanced yourself from the Lord. It's time. It's time to, to come back and reposition yourself to be as close as you possibly can be with the Lord. Maybe you've just been too busy. You haven't been hearing from the Lord. Slow down. Stop. Be silent. Be still. Listen to the Lord. Maybe the Lord's been speaking, but you've just been confused. You don't really know what he's saying. You don't really know what it means. You don't really know what he's calling you to do. You find somebody who's experienced, not perfect, but older, wiser. Talk to someone. Maybe the Lord wants to speak to you, but, but sin. Sin has been blocking you. Sin, sin has been like earmuffs, just, just plugging your ears to the Lord. You're refusing, you're resisting, you're not listening. Come back to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Tell the Lord. Hebrews. Chapter one says, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. We worship a God who speaks. Jesus speaks, the Word speaks, the Holy Spirit speaks. Are we listening? So God, I pray, Lord, that you would be speaking to us. Jesus, I want, I want more of you in my life. I want less of me and more of you. You are the one who is above all, who is over all, 
who has created all. Jesus, help me to find my rest in you. Lord, help me to, to abide with you, to find my, my dwelling, to find my, my presence with you. Help me to slow down. Just stop it. Spend time with you. Jesus, surround me with people who will speak truth into my life. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. It's your blood that's covered me. It's your once and for all perfect sacrifice that's atoned for, that's forgiven my sin. Lord, help me return to you. Because Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need more of you and less of me. I need you. Amen.